Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. Today is Saints game, so we have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picking. Now, look, Jeff, I'm going to ask you how you're doing. I'm not. At, this is not within the context of the Saints' unbelievably and dramatic loss, but just in general, how are you doing? Well, Ricky, you're the first person that's asked me how I'm doing this week and not about the game, so I appreciate that. I'm doing great. The weather's spectacular. we got this cold front that's come through. We're kind of finally getting a little bit of fall weather and getting ready to hit up to the Boston area for this big uh, clash with the Patriots this weekend. You know, I, since the Superdome caught on fire, I've heard, seen so many funny things posted on the internet. You've seen it too, showing when the, the black smoke and when it turns white, we have a new Saints quarterback. And I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard all that stuff, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Times like this are when the internet's fantastic. I, I, <laughs> I was inundated all day yesterday, and I was in the middle of that breaking story it was certainly uh, i think it was one of those things ricky that looked a lot worse than it really was uh, you know yeah. it's very obvious up in the skyline the black smoke but it really was not uh that big a deal uh for the superdome and it's not going to really have much impact yeah a pressure washer caught on fire but what's interesting is i didn't realize that that area around the superdome where they were doing where they had the the, the pressure washer gosh that's a large area right there i had no idea you, you don't obviously you don't see that looking at it from from uh, the air and you don't see it obviously from the ground but that's a that's a pretty pretty critical area right there isn't it well it's just a giant gutter it's basically the same thing you have on your house you and i uh but it's superdome sized uh to handle all the the elements the rain runoff and everything there and uh what, what happened was there was a pressure washer up there they used uh, diesel gas to run the pressure washer. Uh, there was an accident. The gas caught on fire, and that ignited this uh, membrane that we see from, from afar, uh, ignited that, but it really was never the actual dome itself. I mean, it's a concrete base to the roof. Concrete's yeah. not going to burn. So uh, the integrity of the building was not damaged at all and shouldn't have an effect going forward. Okay, so look, I want to talk about psyche for a second. Psyche of readers, psyche of Saints fans. Um, it's, it's always been sort of part of my psyche. Like when the Saints win, I sort of immerse myself in the Saints in the week after leading up to the next game. When they lose, I'm not as enthusiastic about doing that. I, I believe actually because of Hurricane Ida, because people are generally still in a recovery mode in New Orleans, they're still some are dealing with trash issues, some are dealing with you know repair issues. Certainly in in the in the river and and, and bayou parishes, they have tremendous uh, uh, you know energy focused on recovery still. But but when the Saints win, it makes people feel good and they can't get enough. But when the Saints lose, especially like they lose last Sunday, they they can't they don't want to get near it. Do you see that in your numbers? Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, it, it's weird. Sometimes a loss will uh, will be reflected in traffic because readers and fans are looking for answers. Uh, so sometimes the numbers will be really high. It just depends on the loss. But when it's something like we experienced on Sunday that was just a debacle and really there was nothing positive about it, 
uh, it's certainly reflective. And I think especially during times like this, I mean, times of trouble, as we say, uh, people want to be uplifted a little bit. They use sports as a diversion, and that didn't help matters on Sunday. It didn't. Um, you know, I have I have believed, I really did believe, and I, I, don't, I can't say that I've lost my belief in this, that the Saints could be good this year, and I can't wait to see what your read is. But, you know, as you've written, you've studied this, this film every which way but loose now, the dynamics from that first game to the second game could not have been further away from one another. <laughs> so you've written extens- extensively about it. How do I mean, what, what's your current thinking about what happened and where we go from here? Well, I just think a lot of things conspired against the Saints in that game. I mean, there were the external factors of missing coaches, uh, um, you know, having to travel for the third week in a row, being on the road and displaced. I mean, New Orleans and South Louisiana Gulf Coast residents, we can all relate to that, being out of your home. Uh, eventually that stuff adds up. And I'm not saying that's why they lost, but I think it's another factor on top of missing eight starters, five defensive players, especially the defensive players they were missing. Their best pass rusher, Marcus Davenport. Their best cover corner, Marshawn Lattimore. Their hybrid jack of all trades, CJ Gardner Johnson. I mean, those are key dudes. It's not. And Quan. Quan. Yeah. Yeah. So they're missing some key players, not just players. And uh, I think that contributed. And then I also think one of the things that I always try to remind myself is there's another team on the other side of the field. And they had a great game plan and they played very well. And you have to give them credit sometimes. I mean, they, I think, outcoached the Saints in that game. They had a very good plan. And uh, the Saints, for whatever reason, just looked flat to me. When I watched the game on film again, I saw a lot of catching blocks, catching defenders rushing as opposed to going forward. The Saints were flat-footed, waiting on things. That's always a bad sign, and a sign maybe of a team that's not focused and maybe a little flat. It's hard to be too critical of Jameis Winston in this game because he was running for his life the whole game. Now, let's say in the first game, the protection was incredible. He had plenty of time to assess his progressions and all of that. But if there was ever going to be a literally the other side of the paradigm, this is the game was that where, where it was literally the opposite. I mean, completely under duress the whole time. Um, what did this game tell us about Jameis, if anything? Well, I, I think one thing we should say right off the bat is it just shows you from week to week. I mean, the, the attacks, the strategies, the personnel is different. Green Bay did not really try to pressure the Saints. That is Phil Snow's M.O. as the defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. He comes after you. And so it's, it's going to be different this week when they play the Patriots. Uh, different scheme, a different system. So you can't it's, – sometimes it's apples and oranges when you're trying to compare it. But to me, what got exposed in that game was the fact that you had a quarterback in his second game in a Saints offensive system – playing in, in conjunction with a center who is starting his first NFL game and against a team that's very creative and threw a lot of looks at the Saints that maybe they weren't prepared for, and it exposed some of the communication problems, in addition to the exacerbating effect of the crowd noise. Think about it, Ricky. They really mm-hmm. hadn't played in about two years, 
in front of a hostile, loud crowd. And that all kind of added up again. It wasn't one person. It wasn't just Jameis. It wasn't just Cesar Ruiz at center. It was everybody. The plan, Sean Payton talked about, they didn't have a very good protection plan going in. But I think what's important for people to know is that all of these protection problems are supposed to be solved before the snap. It's all about the identifying. How many games have you watched and seen the quarterback get to the line, the center's looking out, and they're identifying and talking. They're identifying the middle linebacker, the mic is what they call it. You identify the mic, and then everything kind of flows out from that, who everybody's supposed to block and the protection uh, call at the line. All that was what got messed up in this game. So when you saw guys coming clean, the initial reaction is, let's blame the offensive line. Well, it's not that simple because it should have been identified by the quarterback and maybe even the running backs in the center before the snap. And they're just doing their assignment the way they were told before the snap. And it was the wrong assignment. So somebody's coming clean and they're just being directed the wrong way. So that, I think that needs to be clear. And they've got to get that stuff ironed out. What was interesting, though, about the game plan, everything you said is you know dead on, but they made no bones about it. They knew that in the past that you could you could rattle Jameis Winston. They knew that you could do that. So it doesn't matter what didn't work and what worked and all of that. The bottom line was their plan was to rattle Jameis Winston, and it happened. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think oh, Jameis a had point. a good plan for it. So yeah. what, what, Well, they knew him. They knew him, yeah. Ricky. I mean, he's played against the Panthers – uh, during his Tampa Bay career, and Phil Snow's coached against him. But that's the case, really, for just about any quarterback. Very few. Uh, Brady's pretty unflappable. Breeze was pretty unflappable. But most quarterbacks, if they get moved off their landmark, if they're harried, uh, their clock starts speeding up in their head. We saw that with Jameis Winston. So, again, credit the Panthers. Now, the Saints have to handle those things much better. But I think it's important to know that uh, you know Jameis Winston is partly responsible for that. He's not necessarily an, uh, just an innocent victim back there to the rush. I mean, he's got to identify these things before the snap. And I think what we're seeing is maybe some of the early signs of missing Drew Brees, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback who played 20 years, who was a master at this exact thing, getting to the line of scrimmage and getting the Saints in the right protection, in the right play. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a little bit of a learning curve and some growing pains along with that uh, while we transition to Jameis Winston. So as a result of that, and we'll pick this up on the other side, as a result of that, we couldn't get Alvin Kamara moving. You know, couldn't get him. You know, sometimes you got to get the ball to somebody several times so they kind of get in their, their groove. We couldn't get Callaway, uh, Callaway into the game. Everything just kind of collapsed as a result of the things that you're talking about. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. See you after this. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. We have Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. And by the way, if you haven't signed up for the NOLA.com Saints, I'll just say that any of the Saint, any of the NOLA.com Times-Picayune newsletters, you'll be glad you did. You can follow a lot of aspects to what's happening in the region. But in particular, their newsletter on the Saints is incredible. It really is good. It does a great summary at the top that all of the writers contribute to, and then it connects all the stories to that. If you haven't signed up for that, there's no better newsletter on the market today than the one that comes from NOLA.com and the Times Picking. You go to NOLA.com and sign up for it. It's easy to do. And Jeff is one of the major contributors to that effort. But, you know, it, it is interesting you said this before over and over again that you win or lose games based on what's happening in the trenches. I mean, you just said that. The first game, we owned the offensive line, we owned the defensive line. In the second game, we didn't own either. And it's almost like a foregone conclusion when you go, when you had the kind of in the trenches performance we had this past week that, that, that every, nothing else is really going to work very well. I mean, that's just, is that just a foregone conclusion? It pretty much starts up there, uh, and then everything is kind of a domino effect. And when I rewatch a game, that's usually the first thing I start looking at is just the line of scrimmage and who's moving who. And in that game Sunday, the Saints were not moving the Panthers' defensive front seven off the line. They were getting moved back. They were, like I said, catching instead of pushing. And, uh, you know, look, Carolina played extremely well, and they played with a lot of intensity, and I think they wanted it. They'd lost four games in a row to the Saints in Carolina. I think they'd lost nine of the last ten overall in the series. So they were they were motivated in this under Matt Rule and their, their new coaching staff. And so you have to kind of give them credit. They've got a lot of good young players. I think they're doing a good job there. And the Saints, just for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, just feel, felt like that wasn't their day. You know, they, they weren't into it as much as Carolina, and it it showed. And, and, and I've always said this. I, I think in offense, especially with Sean Payton, you can scheme up a lot of stuff and manufacture some stuff through coaching. I think defense, you got to have the dudes, Ricky. I mean, you got to have guys. And the Saints were missing their some of their key dudes, and, and that showed up. And one t- actually, sometimes when you got a good defense, it gives your offense more opportunities. It inspires your offense because they're playing inspired. And just a lot of things didn't work. But you, we talked about during the break what Bobby Bear said about this not being terribly unusual for the Saints to have a stinker early in the season. Share that with the with the audience. Yeah, I looked seven of the last eight years, including, I think, every year but, uh, but one in this recent run where the Saints have had the best record in the NFL, the Saints have started one and one. Uh, you know, And sometimes it's not necessarily a stinker. They just lost, you know. They just lose a game, but but this was a stinker. There's no doubt about it. Uh, they got it handed to them. They got humbled a little bit after that first game, and that's kind of human nature too. I think you have a big emotional win like that, and you and you get brought down to earth really quickly in this league. As I mentioned in my column on Sunday, you know it's different from college football. There's not South Dakota states in the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of really good players, and the difference between the top of the league and the bottom is really mi- almost microscopic. And we saw that on Sunday. Really unbelievable. Okay, so let's let's shift gears for a second. So it happened. And boy, I get it. I get it, man. I mean, these guys are still displaced after three over three weeks now, displaced or practicing in Texas. 
They haven't been home. They don't haven't seen the home fans because of COVID. As you pointed out, they haven't been to a, a robust stadium with a lot of crowd noise. They got a new quarterback. They're missing all these players. Eight of their coaches were not there, man. I mean, they were on shoestrings in terms of bringing the offense together for this game. I mean, it was really a lot working against them. And, you know, with a team like this where you're still trying to bring it together, you can't have all those distractions. It's just not a good thing. What do you look forward to this week? Well, I think the Saints are going to play a lot better up in New England. I know they will. Uh, he'll have their focus for practice and, and did all week. Uh, that won't be a problem. And, and they're going to get some of these injured players back. I mean, C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Marshawn Lattimore almost played last week, and the Saints were just being cautious with them thinking big picture, and I think that was wise. So those will be key additions back. It's going to be a low-scoring game. These two teams are built very similarly. Uh, defensive teams uh, like to run the ball and are you know, trying to tread water right now while their quarterbacks get up to speed in the new system. So uh, you got a rookie quarterback in New England and Mac Jones, who the Saints liked a lot out of Alabama. And I, I think the Saints will give him a lot of problems. So I expect this to be kind of a – nip and tuck game down the wire and the Saints are going to have to bring it uh, to win on the road because it's going to be a hostile environment just like it was last week and this will technically be like their third straight road game and that's that's something that no other team in the league is having to navigate. So um, Taysom Hill came in for a couple of plays, played with spirit. You know, he, he was, you know, even though it might be a little bit lighter, guy's in great shape. He's running fast. He's running hard. That was good to see. Uh, did you have an opportunity to chat with him at all? No, no. I mean, I, I think one thing I would mention about this, you mentioned earlier about Alvin Kamara not getting reps and uh, getting much production and Taysom Hill. Uh, that's a really good point, really good observation. The problem was the Saints just didn't have the ball very much. So it, it was almost like we said, polar opposite from Green Bay, where Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers didn't have the ball. I think they had it for like 11 plays in the whole first half of their Saints loss. That was the way the Saints were. So there wasn't any touches to go around. They weren't converting third downs to, to keep the possession of the ball. They were having to punt it away early on. I mean, that first series on offense was just a debacle. They had a drop pass, a sack, two back-to-back pre-snap penalties. Next thing you know, it's third and 18. You're not going to convert that in the NFL very you, often. So. You are not. But look, let's get a, let's get a win this weekend. And... Um, let's get back on the positive. Let's get my son Jordan back into a mode of a post-win where he can enjoy the Saints and not go as far away from them as he possibly can get. It's been great to catch up with you, buddy. We'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks, Ricky. We'll talk then, buddy. This has been Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picking. We'll see you later. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.